I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the great robot wars. And Peter Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, hello, everybody out there. I am so excited to be back in the studio today. It is Thursday, April 30th, and today is Wine Down Day. It's the final day of the Newport Beach Film Festival. And as you may remember, last week, we were able to feature the CEO of the Newport Beach Film Festival, and then also we were able to feature a local director and a uh, producer couple they were that were the uh, directors of the movie hello my name is frank it was that director's first feature film he has been producing film for a long time but it was so exciting i can't tell you to go and to see the screening of their movie on the big screen and then to hear as is um, common with uh with actors um and uh, producers and directors of uh of the film festivals is to see them live and then they give a nice Q&A. So lots of buzz here in Newport right now with the film festival. And I don't know if you've been listening, but lots of buzz here at KUCI as well, because we are actively within our fund drive. So we're very excited to uh, be welcoming you to call in and show us your appreciation in any way that you want to. So all you have to do is call in, and we've got a lot of fabulous people out there in the lobby that are regulars here at KCI on the air, and um, I've got my handy-dandy little checklist to tell you any and everything that you want to know about our 2015 uh, spring fun drive. So call in and show your support, and then sit back, relax, and listen to some of the great programming here we have here at KUCI. I, um, I don't know if you remember last week, I was trying to work that angle of local film producers, and I was... Um, so excited to have my good friend Jane Kennedy over at the Orange County Business Journal. I swear she knows everybody, but she has certainly proven herself to be a fabulous ambassador for Real People OC and has supported me in numerous ways to put great people and wonderful programming on our show here. So very thankful to Jane Kennedy over at the Orange County Business Journal. But um, in doing that, Jane puts on her thinking cap and she found me a fabulous lady to interview with another great local story that takes us up to the northern parts of uh, county life up in Los Alamitos. So I am pleased to be joined today by Karen Kaplan. Now, Karen Kaplan is the CEO of Frida's, Frida's Specialty Food Produce. And 
funny that you would think that a produce company would produce any kind of uh, film related to the movies, but I have brought uh, Karen in to tell us about this amazing story of her mother. It's a legacy story, really, and her mother uh, is enjoying such great health she couldn't be with us here in the studio today because she's out traveling. So Karen has come to tell the family's story and to tell us a little bit about the film they featured this week, Fear No Fruit at the Newport Beach Film Festival. So, Karen, are you are you with us? I am. I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you wonderfully. That was perfect. Okay, good. Well, right on cue, Karen. So, um, thank you for calling in during the time that we're having our, our festival over here at KUCI because it's always exciting during Fun Drive, but you can imagine what that's like. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Lots of extra folks in the studio to share their enjoyment. Um, KUCI is unique because we are independent radio. And so it's been really fun to uh, feature independent filmmaking this week because there's so much going on. Tell, Tell me a little bit about how you were able to enjoy the Newport Beach Film Festival this last week. Well, actually, um, a movie was made about my mom and our family business. My mom is Frida Kaplan, and so I've never actually been to a film festival before. But our our film showed yesterday and this morning at the Newport Beach Beach Film Festival, but it premiered at the San Luis Obispo International Film Festival back in March. So it was kind of fun. It was was wonderful to see all these, you know, film goers, people that are really into independent films come, and they kind of flock into the theater, and they get to vote on, uh, you know, how they feel about the film. So it was actually a new experience for me. Well, it was certainly a new experience for me, too. And it was one that I really enjoyed because it's such... It's probably the most accessible and grassroots effort in film producing that you can, anybody, any spectator could get their hands on. And that's why I thought it was so, so neat. These smaller, more local community film festivals, really anybody can go. And I just thought that was pretty cool. And it is, and you're seeing films that are not on the big screen, and they don't have the big stars, but they're really touching stories. So I, I've never been one to go look at independent films, but I, I surely will do it now. Yeah, it, I have to say it changed me, too, from the same perspective. I really found some, some, some great delight in seeing people working hard and, and doing something spectacular. So, well, there's so many ways we can take this story with you and your sister and your mom and this company. But take us back, really, to the very beginning, before the film, way back when your mom was young and raising you gals. Let's, let's tell that story a little bit, can we? Of course. Of course. So my mom um, was uh, born and raised here in Los Angeles, and when she and my dad got married a few years later, they decided to have children, and my mom had been working in a clothing factory in downtown L.A. and as a, as a shift supervisor, and so she had me, and this is the mid-50s, and she said she wanted to have a job that had more flexible hours so she could breastfeed me. So it turns out my dad's aunt and uncle used to manage a produce company at the Los Angeles Wholesale Produce Market, far away from Orange County. And she called them and said, hey, I hear, I remember people having crazy hours when they work at the market. Do you know of any companies that might be hiring? I'm looking for something kind of part-time so I can watch baby Karen. And my aunt and uncle said, oh, my gosh, you called on the perfect day. Our bookkeeper just quit. You can start tomorrow. So my mom started in the produce business in 1956, and she worked for a few years. There were no women there. And come the end of 1961, she was approached by the landlords of the wholesale produce market, which was the Southern Pacific Railroad, 
And they said, Frida, we've been watching you, and we think you should launch your own business. So on April 2nd, 1962, she opened her company. It was called Produce Specialties Incorporated. And uh, she sold California brown fresh mushrooms. If you can imagine, in the early 60s, brown mushrooms were a specialty. Of course, now we'll find them at every supermarket around the country. And she just kept, you know, she kept standing out as the only woman on the market. And she was very open-minded. And within a couple months, someone came along and offered her some Chinese gooseberries which you probably will recognize by the name. She renamed them. She renamed them the kiwi fruit. And it's actually my mom that introduced the kiwi fruit to America. Now, that's the one that, that seems to be at the standout, but she really introduced so many other fruits too, didn't she? Oh, absolutely. So since 1962, uh, my mom and our company have introduced more than 200 exotic fruits and vegetables to to American consumers. So if you can just think, and and that was what was so neat about the film. They showed all the items that we've introduced in the film. They actually went to a, a local sprout supermarket in Orange County, and they put had the display there, and up popped the names of all the items in the grocery store that day that we introduced. So if you think of baby potatoes, purple potatoes, shallots, ginger root, alfalfa sprouts, hothouse cucumbers, um, jalapeno and habanero chilies, snow peas, my mom's the person that introduced the sugar snap pea, Asian pears, spaghetti squash. I mean, really, you can just just about name anything that's not conventional. So over the years, because my mom was so open-minded, and I'd like to think, you know, my sister and I kind of followed in her footsteps, is people would have, farmers would have items, new items, that no one else wanted to talk to them about. They only wanted regular potatoes and tomatoes and lettuce and onions. They always said, go see Frida when they came down to the market. So for 53 years, we've had farmers approach us wanting us to market their unusual fruits and vegetables. So actually, I have to finish the kiwi story, Kimberly, by saying that we don't currently sell that same green kiwi that we introduced back in 1962. It's really gotten to be a commodity. I mean, in Southern California, you can get kiwi fruit, depending on the time of year, from California from um, Chile, from New Zealand, from um, Italy. You would not believe it's grown all over the world. So now the only kiwi fruit we sell are baby kiwi, which you'll find in the berry section of the supermarket, and yellow-fleshed kiwi. Yellow-fleshed? I don't even think I've seen yellow-fleshed. The season is very short. They, they're not as robust as regular green kiwi fruit. So, okay, so what was it like being the exotic fruit um, family in your household. Did that translate into some unusual dishes at home, or what was that like? Well, I have to tell you, it's not really a secret, because it does come out in the movie, but my mom doesn't cook. Oh, that's hilarious. And she's actually never cooked. And so here she was selling all these exotic produce items, and, you know, she'd want to, they'd want a recipe on the package, and she's like, uh, I don't cook, so she turned to me. So I was the family cook. So many of our first recipes, I actually developed them myself. But I remember my mom bringing home artichokes and us serving kiwi fruit in our fruit salad to our friends, and people just thought we were super weird. You know, but, but it, it just made you know, our eyes wide open. So we stood out not only because of all the exotic produce, but I think I mentioned my mom was the only woman on the produce market. So if you can imagine... 
I'm kind of like the hours you keep, Kimberly. My mom gets up, used to get up at 1 o'clock in the morning and lived in Los Alamitos, coincidentally, and would go to the produce market at 2 o'clock in the morning, leaving my sister and I at home with our dad. And then she'd work a full 16-hour day, and then she'd come back home about 5 o'clock at night. Obviously, she would eat dinner and go to bed. So she, you know, here there was a woman in the 60s, and they didn't have pants for women in oh, the 60s. So, so there she was in high heels, you know, pantyhose and a dress, and it's freezing cold in the morning. It's so not really only did the items we sell stand out, but she stood out. So then, you know, I joined the company after college. I'd worked summers, as had my sister, and Jackie, my sister, had eventually joined the business. But we got the reputation for being a woman-owned business, at any time, this is so funny to think back, any time a woman had an interest in getting in the produce business, they would say, oh, you have to call Frida's. They hire women. Because no one at that time hired women except in the bookkeeping department. So now, not only are you introducing fruit, but you're introducing equal opportunity employment opportunities for women. Absolutely. Actually, even now, now we have uh, an equivalent number of men and women that work in total at our company. But there are many times, like in our management team or in our sales team, we'll be sitting around a conference room, and there'll be one guy and eight eight women. And we kind of laugh because they're kind of used to it now. But we think, I think back to the day when I was the only woman at the table. So interesting to watch those changes come about. And and why, can you can we reflect for a little bit of why the produce markets were a male-dominated industry? You know, I think it's just tradition. I mean, if, if, if the traditional role was for a woman to be at home having kids, not many women were going to get up at midnight and go work these odd hours. So it really, I mean, it really wasn't conducive to someone that had a family. And I will tell you that all those bad habits that come with those early morning hours that you can imagine, you know, gambling and smoking and drinking and, you know, there's plenty of that in in the produce industry. So I think it just, you know, is an evolution. Like most industries, they started out as being male-dominated. But I will tell you that my daughter, my 25-year-old daughter, joined the business about four years ago. She just attended the third annual Women's Fresh Perspective Conference for women, professional women in the produce industry. I mean, that's a pretty specialized category of people, if you can imagine. And there were 200 women there from all over the country, and I mean, it was amazing. So we've really come a long way. So not only do we have all kinds of new fruits and vegetables and a wide variety in the produce department, it's really great that there are a lot of women in our industry, women as produce managers. I mean, if you look locally in the supermarket business, the president of Ralph's Grocery Company is a woman, Donna Giordano. The president of Vons, Lori Raya, is a woman. Um, so we've, got, we've come a long way. Boy, it sure sounds like it. You know, um, did did any of the was there was there ever a time where your mom had to travel to exotic places to find some of these fruits? Well, it's funny because my mom was kind of a one woman show. I mean, she would get to work at two in the morning and you know come home at five at night, and she signed all the checks and she reviewed all the invoices, and so she didn't travel very much. I mean, I think she went to New Zealand twice, uh, one time with me. We went there when I was in college. 
But if you could think back, if you can imagine 30 or 40 years ago, there was no internet, so there was no email, there was no digital photography, um, there were no fax machines, it was all word of mouth. It was kind of like carrier pigeon, right? They would pass the information along. So if she became known worldwide, primarily I think because starting marketing kiwi fruit from New Zealand, but everyone knew of that lady named Frida, you know, from California on the L.A. produce market. So literally over the years, we've had growers come to us literally out of the clear blue sky. They say, well, you know, I asked them, so how'd you find us? Or, you know, why'd you call us? I had one guy say to me, he was in the potato business. He said, well, I, I looked you up in the in the, the book. It's called the Blue Book in the produce industry. And I called like 100 potato companies. They had a specialty potato. He said, everyone told me to call Frida's. So they didn't want to sell a specialty potato. So I just called you. I mean, I figure 100 people couldn't be wrong. So, so we really didn't have to travel. Really, it was word of mouth. We have, We still have a reputation that is much bigger than the size of our company. But, um, you know, when you have a, a long-standing reputation and you treat people well, and we've always been about the relationship with the growers, so we really want to take care of our growers. So that's really paid off for us. So let's reflect on that relationship for a little bit because the growers come from far, far away places. How has that been to develop a relationship from people so far away? Well, it's definitely changed. Um, over the years. So before, literally, we would, um, well, eventually we were faxing things and talking by telephone. Um, and there, weren't, there wasn't the fantastic communication that there is right now around the world. Like, literally, I can email someone in Australia right now, and they're at work. Um, so now we actually have people that work for us that go out and visit our growers on a regular basis. I mean, we have for quite a few years. But before, we could just rest on our reputation, and it could be word of mouth. And I think if you were a grower, you kind of crossed your fingers when you sent produce from across the world here to the United States. And, you know, you hope the produce arrives well. You did have no digital photography. So you hope when they said it was bad that it really was bad. Um, and now, you know, instantaneously we're communicating with people. But it's actually kind of gone back to old times where it's all about the relationships. So I, we have a full-time forager that uh, works for us. I was just talking to her before you called, and uh, she's planning some trips to go out and uh, look for new produce items. She was up in uh, Yauntville and Napa this past weekend at some seed trials. So now we really, really go back to that, that rich relationship, that personal relationship. And I think part of that, Kimberly, part of our secret to success is as, as a woman, you know, I'm naturally more nurturing and more relationship-oriented. I think, in general, guys are more bottom line, give me just the facts. And so that, that nurturing of the produce and nurturing of the relationship, I think, is really a bit advantageous for our company. We kind of have that woman's touch. I mean, even to the point, if you were to come to our office, and we knew you were coming, you would walk in and there would be your name and your company name on the marquee, and you would be greeted, you know, by my assistant at the front door. You would get a name badge and you'd sign in. And when you come up, you're introduced to all the, the owners of the company, my sister and I. 
if my mom's in the building, you're going to meet meet her. Um, you're going to walk around. Everyone's going to say hello because we've told everyone you're coming. And people, I, I just saw an email from someone that saw the film yesterday, yesterday, and they commented the film really captured the essence of the family. And that's what you feel like when you do business with our company, that you're part of the Frida's family. And I think that's why we have so many longtime employees and so many people attracted to working for us as we have that kind of family vibe. It it sounds wonderful, and I can't wait to see the full length of the movie. I want to pause for just a brief minute to remind our listeners that um, you're listening to Real People OC, and I am your host, Kimberly Martin, and we are here at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and we uh, air each and every week from 4 to 5 p.m. on Thursday afternoons. And Real People OC brings fabulous people to you that you can hear about local stories of people making really interesting contributions to community life. And today we have with us Karen Kaplan. She is the daughter of Frida Kaplan, who brought so many interesting fruits to really to the United States. And we're hearing about a really lovely story where the family has decided to pull together uh, all their history and put it into a documentary. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that because the, the documentary was featured at the Newport Beach Film Festival this week. Um, But also for the listeners, if you uh, have been listening all day, we are in the midst of our fun drive here at KUCI, and we have a lot of great premiums going on for those of you that like to donate during our fun drive. It's a great time to do it. So you can call in to our number. It's 824-5824, and we've got lots of people in the lobby waiting to take your calls. So I welcome you at any time that you feel so moved to uh, join in and help KUCI uh, live another day. <laughs> so, okay, so Karen, I, I'm I'm so excited about what I saw on just the the uh, promo for the film. And let's let's let people know what that website is if they want to find out for themselves. Well, it's fearnofruit.com. Okay, so great. one word: F E A R N O F R U I T dot com. Okay, and so before we start talking about the film, I'm really curious about what kind of an impact your buying decisions had on communities far, far away that were trying to really make it in the United States. You were often probably the first person that gave them their shot. What was that like for some of these communities, and do you know what the local impacts you were able to have in other countries by being um, a person that purchased their produce? Well, I I think there's always a positive economic impact, but I I think, Kimberly, you really have to look at um, the long range. So if you go back to um, 1962 when we started buying and importing kiwi fruit, there were not that many growers. I I, I think that the the biggest exported product, biggest industry in New Zealand was probably lamb. And so now you go to New Zealand and the, the fruit business is huge. I don't know what number it is economically um, in their economy, but you've got um, tons and tons of apples and, of course, kiwi fruit and um, strawberries and blueberries and all kinds of things from New Zealand. So I think that any time, you know, if there's demand for the product, any time an agricultural product um, can be exported and purchased by others, you know, from a stable company where they get their money right away, I think it has a fantastic impact. 
Oh, very. It's just it it makes the world so much smaller. And I would imagine way back then in the '60s when your your family was doing it, in particular your mom, it had to have been a very fascinating time. Well, it was very different. It was very challenging. Again, if you just go back to the technology, many times you kind of cross your fingers and hope that the the freight got here and that, um, of course, the buyers that we sell to, I, I guess I should mention that, is that we supply supermarkets all over the United States and up into Canada. So if you go to Maine um, or you go to Florida or you go to North Pole, Alaska or, you know, down in Encinitas, you're going to find Frida's products. Um, and then, of course, we sell to restaurants as well, um, all the distributors around the country. So for many years, I saw maybe like one or two star fruit in a tiny little basket in the grocery store. Um, what was it like to break into those markets in the grocery store? Well, back in the day, as we say here at the office, um, outside of Los Angeles, all of our sales were by telephone. I mean, now we have people that travel for us to go call on customers. And I talk about this a little bit in the film. Is I, I was a salesperson. I would have to call and describe a star fruit to someone, you know, in St. Louis or Alabama, you know, or Washington, D.C., where they don't even know what a star fruit is. Or I want to tell them why they need to get shiitake mushrooms or portobello mushrooms for that matter or why the heck they would want to buy alfalfa sprouts so So it was super super challenging to convince by the way most buyers at that time were male so they didn't do the shopping in the grocery stores they probably had never tried most of these items so they, they usually had I call it the list of objections so when I would call and say, oh, my God, we have the best dried chili peppers, you know, the buyer would say, I don't like hot food. I don't have a place to, um, to merchandise it in my store. You know, your price is too high, and no one would buy that stuff. So- and you're kind of, like, <laughs> devastated, but you have to learn how to educate them. So what we did was we worked with food writers in magazines and newspapers all over the country. That was actually my first job, was working with the media. And we educated and provided information through the media so they could write about it in their food pages. And back in the day, before the Internet, you would get your food page on Wednesday or Thursday. You'd read the feature story, and then you'd go to your grocery store, and you'd say, where's that product that I just read about in the New York Times? And they would say, well, we don't have it, but we'll go get it for you. (laughs) And who are they going to call? They're going to call that lady in California. They're going to call Frida's. So, so my, my favorite story was um, we introduced the sugar snap pea to America, which is back in 1972. Most people don't know that. And I remember uh, my mom, uh, my job was to get the media to write about it. So I got the Baltimore, I think it was the Baltimore Herald or the Washington, D.C. paper to write about it. And back in the day, A&P Supermarkets was the supermarket. And we told the buyer, you know, you're going to have to, you know, the newspaper's going to write about it. You should have the product there. Um, it's going to come out on Wednesday. And they didn't believe us. So they didn't order any. Okay. And when the newspaper came out, the food section came out, people went crazy because this is a cross between a Chinese pea pod and an English pea. So it's totally edible with seeds on the inside. Super sweet. You know, it's a garden select item. They were lined up outside the AMP to buy the product that day, and there was none. So the AMP buyer calls us, oh, my gosh, I have to have them. So we had to fly them the sugar snap piece, you know, which is very, very expensive. And it kind of was a great story to tell other customers, like, 
when we tell you there's going to be a story on a product and you should have it, you should probably have it. Uh, what trendsetters? I mean, this this was this was kind of in the nature of who your mom was, though, wasn't it? Uh, very much so. So she had um, she surrounded herself with people that um, helped her, you know, um, carry out her her great marketing and promotional ideas. So she really focused on the growers and. Um, she always had great, and I mean, she's still alive and well. She's 91. Um, but she would have ideas about how we could do things, how we could sell things. And so she had a gal that worked for her. And when I came in from college, they together told me, you know, we think it'd be good if you got to know all the food editors in America personally as a way to create demand. So, and, and that's why you would see so many articles written about our company back in the 70s and the 80s is because we were out there sharing information. We didn't call and say, write about Frida's. We said, hey, you know, we're introducing spaghetti squash. How great for people that love pasta but um, don't want the calories. Or we're introducing sugar snap peas. Here's all the information. We used to do photographs and press releases, and it was a very exciting time. Really, it was. It, it sounds like it was. I'm just, it's such a neat story. And so, okay, let's ta- let's transition really quickly. Let me uh, pause for a minute to um, do a station break, but let's just transition to talking about the movie and why. Um, so if you're just tuning in, this is Kimberly Martin, and I'm the host of Real People OC here at KUCI, 88.9 FM in Irvine. And we're having a delightful discussion with Karen Kaplan. She is the CEO of Frida's. And we are talking about this really beloved documentary that they developed in honor of their mother and their family business. And it's such an interesting story. If you want to find out a little bit more about it, you can go to fearnofruit.com and find out about this documentary and maybe uh, some future times when it might be playing. We'll hear a little bit about that. But um, just to pause for a brief moment to let you know that KUCI is also in the middle of their fun drive. And this is a great time to let us know how much you love us. And uh, we always appreciate your your appreciation and to to share with you that uh, we have a lot of fun drive premiums for you to call in and find out about we've got a lot of folks in the lobby that would love to take your call and that phone number is 949-824-5824 so give a call find out what kind of premiums we have going and um, let us show show us your support we would really appreciate it especially right now so um diving back to our story karen the movie, who came up with the idea for this? This is a great idea to share the legacy of somebody as unique as your mom. Well, it's funny. You keep saying this movie we produced. We did not produce it. So um, one of our employees' husbands um, is in the film business, and he has a friend who ended up being the director and producer of our film and whose name is Mark Brian Smith. So Mark Brian Smith heard about our company, Frida's, and he knew, he kind of heard in talking with um, his friend that we were thinking of, trying to think of ways to memorialize all the great memories we have and the stories. I mean, we had talked for years, should we get a videographer in here and get my mom telling her stories, which my mom wanted nothing to do with. And so Mark did his research, and he came to us, and he said, I think you have enough here to produce a documentary. So we met with Mark, and then we also interviewed a couple other filmmakers, but we were just in love with Mark. And so we talked a lot. Mark and I talked a lot. And 
we agreed that we did not want this to be a promotional piece for the company. We really wanted it to be, you know, a truly an independent film, a documentary. So we said to Mark, we'll authorize, we'll sign on that you can do the story and you have 100% editorial control. So he did all the filming. I mean, he used us for research and things like that and a lot of the footage that we gave him. But he created the whole storyline. And I remember sitting him one day and saying, like, there's no conflict in here. Where's the conflict going to be? And then he said, oh, the conflict's over here. So um, we would brainstorm a little bit, but he had complete control. And um, because of my mom's age, you know, we didn't want to take a long time on this. So it was about a year ago, a little over a year ago, we sat down with Mark. And after I met him and talked with him, I took him over to meet my mom, and my mom just fell in love with him. And that connection, I think, between the filmmaker and the subject matter is really important because, you know, that way mom would open up. So um, they did a lot of research. Mark and his team did a lot of research. And then starting the beginning of June, for 10 days, they um, filmed it. So they filmed the film in 10 days of footage, and the budget was under $100,000. So when you see the film, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. And what was so amazing also is in about about three or four weeks after we had started the process of the film, my mom got a call from the president of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, Jeff Armstrong, the president, and he said, Frida, we want to honor you by giving you an honorary Ph.D. at our graduation ceremony in June, and which is an amazing honor. It is, indeed. Yes. Well, so Mark got wind of this, and he's like, well, I want to be there. And I said, for what? And he said, well, I want to film it. And I'm thinking in my head, now, in 91 years, or 90 years at the time, why would you want to film this? Because it's really not germane to the whole story. But this guy is so brilliant. He, he saw the vision that that would be the perfect closing scene. And I mean, I like, almost want to cry when I think about it, because <laughs> my mom gave a two-minute speech at the, at the graduation, and actually the entire two-minute speech is the last, almost the last two minutes of the film. And while she's talking, he's panning back to different scenes when we were growing up and different scenes with the business, and it was just kind of an amazing, you know, crowning touch on, um, on the film. Oh, it sounds incredible. I, You know, it's such a neat story, and I wish that I could go see the film because it's such a unique angle on a local family and what how you've spent your life, and in particular your mom. She was so gregarious and so interesting, and um, I wish we could have had her on the air to tell us a little bit about her well, life. Well, she is, she is in Sarasota, Florida. She called me that she landed. She and the... At 91, she and a bunch of her girlfriends get together once, a year, once or twice a year, and they go to all, all points outside of Los Angeles. <laughs> but I'd like to talk a little bit about the family aspect, if, if you don't mind, because that all. was the first part of the film, is um, we are a family. So it's not my father passed away about 15 years ago, but my sister Jackie Wiggins and I, um, we worked in the business, and then we bought the business from our parents in 1990. And um, we, we have two kids each, and my oldest daughter, so the oldest of the four grandchildren, has, has actually joined the company, Alex Jackson. So she's in the business now. She's been working with us um, for about four years. And then my, my sister's daughter, who's 20, she's actually going to do an internship here this summer. 
So the first third of the movie really is about my mom and the family and just how she got into the produce business. And I think that I I just read a review of the film and they said, you know, it's not just about Frida and not just about the produce industry. It's really, you know, the amazing story behind all this exotic produce, all these unusual things that, that we take for granted how they got to the supermarket. In one scene in the movie, Kimberly, we were at a Sprout supermarket, and we had a produce manager there. His name is Nick. So we were chatting with Nick and just kind of showing him, and we did this item, and yes, celery root and sunchokes, and, you know, we were going through all the items. And he's about 26, 27 years old, and he's been a produce manager for about three or four years. So (laughs) we kind of paused, and Nick said, you know, As a produce manager, I just always assumed all these unusual products are available. I had no idea that someone caused them to be here. And I thought that just completely encapsulated the whole story. Sure does. It sure does. And and so that person was your mom. And I, I think that's so unique because, you know, as a shopper for so long, you'd go to the grocery store. And honestly, the reason why it's so hard to think of what to make for dinner is because there's really five main things at the grocery store. <laughs> and there's just not enough variety to make that whole part of domestic life fun. And so, you know, the branching out has just made all the difference for people that love food and love to share it with their families in unique and different ways each night rather than, you know, having a rotating menu of five different items and, you know, hoping that people don't get sick of chicken. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it's funny because um, I write a blog, by the way, it's called What's on Karen's Plate. And about, I think about three years ago, I was inspired to become a vegan um, after seeing a couple of my friends become vegan. As, because I needed something to write about in my blog. So here I am, not eating any dairy and not eating any meat products, and I'm going to write about it for 30 days because I think people would find that interesting. And this is before being vegan was popular. Okay, three years ago, nobody was vegan. So my mom is so cute. She's like, well, I think I'm going to be a vegan. So here's my, what was that, three years ago, 88-year-old mom says, well, I'm going to cut out meat. So she's lost about, she's done much better than me. She's lost about 20 pounds. Wow. She's now a vegetarian, so she does eat dairy. But um, it's it's pretty amazing. She's always so open-minded, so um, in touch with what's going on in the news and with political issues and everything. So she's really embraced the uh, the variety aspect of, um, of produce by being having almost a completely plant-based um, diet. Fascinating. Karen, we're drawing down on our time, and I want to make sure we, first of all, we hear how people can find your blog, but also to uh, find Frida's themselves. If we have any produce buyers out there listening, um, we certainly want them to have your website. So um, let's give everybody all the info before we have to sign off. Oh, sure. So the Frida's website is, if you want any recipes or anything about three or 400, 500 different exotic fruits and vegetables, it's Frida's.com, but I'm going to spell Frida's because it is I before E. So it's F as in Frank, R-I-E, D as in dog, A-S dot com. So that's the Frida's website. We've got products and recipes and you you can search for supermarkets no matter where you are where where you can find our products um and then my blog is um sometimes about food sometimes about business um and often about life 
I love so, it. Like today, my blog came out. I don't know if you saw it. It came out about turmeric, which is that ginger-looking vegetable that's the color of a carrot. Very, very popular in Indian cooking. So and th- so this week I happened to write about um, uh, a food. So my blog is thefridas.com. And when you're there, it says Karen's blog. So it's forward slash Karen's blog. One word. It's called What's on Karen's Plate. Okay, very good. Well, um, any opportunities for the movie to show again in Orange County soon? Well, it was this morning, and that probably be the last time. But we're so excited. We're working with... Um, film buff out of New York to um, uh, package and market the film, and I understand that it will be available on um, iTunes and other such platforms the last week of June, and then from there, I'm not sure exactly all the ways it's going to be accessible, but the best thing for your listeners to do is go to fearnofruit.com and sign up right on the, the that homepage. You can sign up to be notified where the film is going to be showing or how to purchase it or, or download it. Uh, perfect. Okay, Karen, it's been a delightful most of the hour sharing with you and hearing about your family business and your mom. Uh, I can't wait to dig a little deeper into your story. So, Well, thank you. I just one thing I forgot to mention is our company color is purple. Oh, that's right. Tell everybody so, the significance. So all the labels you'll see in the supermarket are purple. Um, you know, if you ever get a letter from me or my mom, it's going to be signed in purple. And, of course, if you go to the website, everything is purple. So that's our, that's our company color. And that was actually quite by accident the color of the sign the sign painter had on his truck back in 1962 was a pale lavender and that's how we got the company color and it dictated from there on out that's so funny yes (laughs) okay Karen thank you so much for calling in and sharing the story with us we certainly appreciate it and um, we're gonna we're gonna go over now to um, some more fun drive info so thank you for being with us thank you all right you have a good rest of your day now okay okay Bye -bye. bye so that was fascinating I love that interview it was it was just neat to have her come on and tell us a little bit about her family. What a what a rich story. So I'm really bummed I missed the screening this morning, and uh, I'm going to make every effort to see it when I can. So um, I'm going to put up for us a couple of little different things about our fun drive. But in the meantime, I wanted to just remind you that you're listening to Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And later in the hour... We'll have Matt Kaplan here bringing Counterspin Radio and after that, Planetary Radio. So um, I'm really excited to have um, the opportunity to tell you how much I appreciate KUCI. And I'm hopeful that you will show us your support during our fun drive time and let us know how much you love us. It's um, It would be great for you to call in now because we've got lots of people in the studio, uh, in the lobby out there taking phone calls. And we have um, we have lots of premiums at this early stage of the fun drive as well too. So call in and find out about a list of those. Um, I'll be reviewing with those some of those with you later in the show. But for right now, um, a little promo about KUCI. Thank you. Without my experience at KUCI, I don't know where I would be today. Hi, my name's Hillary Chambers, and I was a student at UC Irvine from 1991 to 95. Three of those years, I worked at KUCI. Started out doing the 3 to 6 a.m. shift and worked my way up to music director as my senior year. And since starting at KUCI, I've worked at KNAC in Long Beach, 
at three different commercial stations in Denver. I worked at San Diego's 91X for almost 10 years, and now I am on full-time at San Diego's FM 94.9. And having been working in commercial radio for over a decade now, I can't emphasize enough how crucial non-commercial, free-form music and radio is. KUCI deserves our support, not only for what it does for students, but what it does for the community as a whole. You can pledge online, KUCI.org, or call KUCI 949-824-KUCI. Thank you. Hi, this is Brad Stone. I was the jazz director at KUCI back in 1984-85. I had a regular jazz show then, and also did an electronic music program called Electronic Meditations that aired late on Sunday nights. As someone who has been doing university and community radio for 35 years now, the better part of my lifetime, I can tell you firsthand the importance of non-commercial radio to a community. The other day, I got into my car, and when I started it, the radio came on with the station I had on the previous night while I was listening to a hockey game. It's a so-called album-oriented rock station, and some lame song came on. I can't even remember now what it was, so I had to switch the station right away. Actually, it's not so much that the song was lame, but that I'd already heard it 1,800 times, so do I really need to hear it again? Can you imagine what it would be like if that was the only radio programming that you could get? So please become an active supporter of KUCI-FM and keep the great alternative programming going. KUCI needs you and Orange County needs KUCI. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is Sue Simone, also known as Sue Aside, during my DJ years from 1978 to 1983. I was thrilled to serve KUCI as Public Affairs Director, General Manager, and President of the UC Radio Network, also to host five years of amazing three-day staff retreats in Big Bear, broadcasting punk and other bands from UCI's Punk Toe and the Cuckoo's Nest, getting saved from a haircut by Joe Strummer of The Clash, as fans pushed my way shouting, Cut the hippie's hair! Along with many other exciting music, news, public affairs, Waze Goose, and OC Fair broadcasts. Often spiced up with some hilarious pranks by the staff or ceremonial honors bestowed by surprise pies in the face. It was a bit scary to be the general manager while KCI suffered a rather painful but successful transition, moving our frequency from 89.9 FM to 88.9, where we are today, thankfully through the extraordinary efforts of our teammates like Dave McHugh. KUCI is now available worldwide via websites and podcasts. Please join me in celebrating KUCI's 45th anniversary and preserve the wonderfully unique, eclectic, ever-evolving universe that KUCI's dedicated team happily provides every day. KUCI is a nonprofit radio station whose independence depends upon your support. 
please donate whatever you can today. Of course, all donations are tax deductible to the full extent of the law. And it's easy. Just call 949-824-5824 or visit KUCI.org. Thank you for supporting adventurous, free-form, free-speech community programming. And happy 45th, KCI. Hi, I'm Jarrett Lovell, a volunteer here at radio station KUCI. I got my start at this station in 1990 when I was a freshman at UC Irvine. Getting involved in radio proved an essential part of my university education, teaching me the art of public speaking, the importance of free speech, and civic responsibility 25 years later, I'm still involved, and it continues to educate me, to expose me to new ideas, to new artists, and to new perspectives. That's why I'll once again be making a financial contribution to this station. Won't you join me in supporting this valuable educational resource? Please call 949-UCI-KUCI to pledge your support, or donate online at www.kuci.org. Your donation is tax-deductible and it'll help to ensure that this station continues to be a resource for students and community members alike. Thank you. Uh, well, here we are back on the air again. This is Kimberly Martin, and you are listening to Real People OC. And I'm so excited to be joined today um, by a guest who is traveling around with the Mutual of Omaha to have a fabulous, um, well, let's just call it an aha moment tour. And it's launching here in Orange County, and it's launching uh, with uh, Jess Henry, who's here to tell us a little bit about what this tour is all about. So, uh, Jessica Henry, welcome to Real People OC. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. And thank you for waiting while we do all our fun drive stuff. We're very excited about the fun drive over here. So I uh, had to fit all that in so people know what, what's going on in the lobby out here. Sounds very exciting. So dive in. To, tell me what Mutual of Omaha is doing and what the AHA tour is. Absolutely. So Mutual of Omaha has been recording people's AHA moments for the past six years. And so this is our sixth year on the road. We're traveling to 20 cities over the next three months with an Airstream film studio just to record the, that very moment that changed somebody's life. So an aha moment could be big, it could be small, it could be funny, it could be, it could be moving, it could be sad, it could be about uh, finding new love. But we really believe that these moments are powerful and that they're worth sharing. So we're very excited to get on tour and to start with Irvine. We're, that's, we're just so excited to be in Irvine. I'm excited to have you here, and I love the fact that you're in an Airstream. That is so cool. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit, uh, Jess, what your involvement is and how you got involved. Absolutely. So believe it or not, this is my third year traveling with the tour. And so from cities ranging from Austin, Texas, to Duluth, Minnesota, and everywhere in between, I've had the privilege of getting to hear just America's stories. And it's really powerful what just giving a microphone and turning on a camera can do for for exposing some of the most inspiring stories that you can ever imagine coming from residents in cities just like Irvine and just like Orange County. Okay, so can you share with us a couple of your favorite aha moments that you've come across while you're doing this? Absolutely. Well, it's, what I love is that there's no traditional recipe for what an aha moment is. It could be a moment like losing your job and in that moment deciding, you know what, I've always wanted to start a business or 
maybe I want to start a bakery. And so I love getting to interview people who have had an aha moment and then act on that. And so whether it's starting a company or changing the way that they they uh, live a, a healthier life or even just interacting with their family and valuing life in an entirely different way. Uh, that's, that's the most exciting part for me is that there's no one just exact type of aha moment, but that it could be just about anything. Right. Okay. So now you're the producer of this tour. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this. And then I know you have a blog. So tell us about your blog. Absolutely. Well, I got involved uh, about four years ago because I really believe in the power of stories. So coming from a production background, this has just been one of the most exciting projects that I've gotten to work on. And what I love is that all along the way, we meet incredible people. And so from going to actually like learn how to make cupcakes with them in their bakery to getting to run in, run in marathons uh, with athletes, we get to really just journey with the people that we're recording. And, and so we travel and uh, all of the content that we record, all of the moments that we record are on mutualofomaha.com slash aha. And there we're, we're Instagramming, we're tweeting, we're, we're posting videos, we're blogging. Um, and it's, I think when you really give step back and you just give voice to everyday people, you're blown away by some of the stories that you uncover. It, it, it is it can be so inspirational and you know with reality TV being what it is now it hasn't kind of gone the way that we were hoping to as you know real people <laughs> you know you just you, you kind of don't want to hear the noise of people's life or the drama but it, it is kind of a neat way to feature what what is the what's behind mutual of Omaha's desire to do something like this yeah mutual of Omaha really believes in the power that a moment has and and when we act on it it can just affect incredible change in our lives. And Mutual of Omaha has been behind and supporting this vision for uh, over six years now, which is really incredible. And they feature a couple of, we have over 50 commercials uh, from the past six years that are, are just these moments that we've recorded. And so each year, uh, a panel of judges at Mutual of Omaha selects a couple of the moments that they just feel really inspired by, and then it's put to a nationwide vote. So who do you want to see on national TV? And that's the really exciting part is that you've got real people sharing real stories, and we're, we're giving voice to those. And so to see some of the videos that we've recorded in the past, you can go to mutualofomaha.com slash aha. And uh, I just, I'm so proud of of all of the moments that we've gotten to record and the interviews, uh, it's just been an incredibly humbling and powerful experience for me. Well, Jessica, I'm so grateful for the time you shared with us here at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, telling us about the launch of the AHA Moment Tour. It's going to be down at the Irvine Spectrum, right? Correct. We're going to be over by the Ferris wheel. And if you want to record, we're going to be there on Monday and Tuesday from 10 to 6. And so you can go online, mutualofomaha.com slash aha. You can sign up there. It's really easy. It's just a 10-minute interview. Uh, we walk you through it. And then, uh, or if you want, you can just come on down and we'll, we'll fit you right in and, and uh, you can record there. So anybody can go and be recorded if they want to. And then would you like to tell our listeners about your blog really quickly? We've got about 30 more seconds. Absolutely. So you can go to, if you want to go directly to the blog, uh, mutualofomaha.com slash aha. Uh, we share photos, we share stories, uh, personal insights, and uh, I think it's really fun. And you even get to, you get to follow our journeys as we go to 20 cities this summer. 
Very exciting. All right, Jessica, thank you so much for um, joining us. And then um, we'll move on to the next show. Um, that's going to be Matt Kaplan, who brings us Counterspin Radio. And then after that, will be Planetary Radio. And for right now, I'm going to play you a fun drive uh, little recording from one of our DJs. And so the premiums you can find out about by calling into 949-824-5824. We've got a lot of good ones, especially early on in the fun drive. It's a good time to call. And your support means so much to us. So I encourage you to, um, to you know, think about supporting KUCI. We'd love to have you. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll tune in next week to Real People OC. And we'll look forward to see, um, seeing you all next week with another interesting guest.